Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The 59th edition of the Four Corners podcast starts right now. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty and the double team, gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett says he can run the baseline, hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to him. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Matthews off the mark. And this year, the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys once again today. Anthony still joining me via Zoom. Um, he is not sick and he has not been fired, but due to work schedules, Carolina's schedule, he is joining me via Zoom for this podcast again as we will preview the upcoming the upcoming game for Carolina at home against Furman. That'll be Tuesday night, 7 o'clock in the Smith Center. We're going to give you a background of the Paladins, update you on some stats revolving Carolina, um, give our keys to the game, pick the game before we get out of here uh, on this edition of the podcast. But before we do any of that, we start every preview pod, as we always do, with our pod thought of the day. And we actually go to now current women's head basketball coach of Carolina, Courtney Banghart. The Lady Tar Heels are undefeated. They pull, They appear to be poised and primed for a special season on the women's side of things. Banghart said, I've discovered that the harder you work, the bigger opportunities that come your way, and buddy, if if you continue to work hard, maybe I will allow you to be in the presence of myself uh, when we record a podcast down the road. But only if you continue to show the the preparation, the practice, and the process that you've shown the last couple pods moving forward. Yeah, I mean, it, this is just motivation to work less so that <laughs> I can do these podcasts via Zoom. It, it, it's it's honestly working out in my favor here, so I'm happy. I mean, I, I mean, I've I've uh, I've worked I've worked hard for most things in life, and look at where I'm at. So, oh, gosh. man, way to uh, way to bring the room down. Um, let's. <laughs> no, I love where I'm at. I love where I'm at. Let's dive into Furman. This is, I think this is one of the rare home 
non-conference games against a mid-major where I do think you can learn a lot about yourselves. Usually you learn a lot, you know, when you go on the road, usually you learn something. Carolina did that this year when they went to the College of Charleston. Um, a few years ago in 2018-19, they went to Wofford and won a ball game. 2015-16, they actually lost at Northern Iowa, but they learned a lot about themselves. But this is one of the rare times that you get to do it at home, and hopefully it'll be in a win. In 2017-18, Carolina actually lost at home to offer during the non-conference portion of their season. Furman comes in with a 7-3 and record. That all, all the wins, for the most part, are rather impressive. And there's nothing impressive about losing, but the losses are really respectable. They've got a win at Louisville on the road. Um, of course, Louisville – resides in the ACC, which speaks volumes about the Paladins. And then that's another example as to why the ACC is having another down year. They've lost to Navy, um, who, of course, Navy has, of course, beat Virginia. So that's one of those things where um, both ways where Navy's good, but also Virginia isn't good. They've beaten common opponent college of charleston who carolina course went on who went to the college of charleston and won three or four weeks ago they've lost at winthrop winthrop not a bad loss mark prosser is doing a really good job in his first season on the job then they they beat app state in their most recent a game a team that carolina will see in a couple of weeks as we get near the end of the non-conference season Furman's a really high scoring team they are 13th in the country, averaging 83.9 points per game. They got three players averaging double-figure scoring, led by Alex Hunter's 17.6 points per game. And as you could expect, with a quality mid-major opponent, they can shoot the three ball as a team, 39% from three. They've got four players shooting 44% or better from behind the three-point line, and a lot like Elon, who was Carolina's last opponent, they rank in the top tier in terms of three-point field goals made per game. They're seventh in the country with 11.7, and they are 10th in the country with 29.7 threes per game. So, buddy, Carolina, they have improved drastically on the defensive end of the court. The last three games, they've held their opponents to 63 points or less. The first time that has happened in a four-game stretch since the start of the 2012-2013 season for Carolina. But it does appear they will have their their hands full on Tuesday night in the Smith Center. Yeah, no doubt about this one. This is going to be one where I think you're going to need – um, you know, a, a decent crowd in attendance for you and, and a pretty good environment because, yeah, this is going to be a stiff test. Um, you go from a team in Elon that could shoot the three pretty well coming in, um, and, and it pretty well is, is the thing to take away from that. This team shoots the three extremely well, and this is – I mean, I, I don't know of anybody in the ACC right now that's sh- shooting as lights out from three as this team is. This might be the best three-point shooting team that you see this entire season. So th- this is going to be a test. And I, I, the, the Wofford comparison from a few years ago that you made um, is, is a great one. Um, Thank you. I appreciate because that. Because I, I definitely – they have a very similar feel now. They – I mean, they take just 
I mean, the, the amount of three-point shots that they take is is unbelievable. I mean, it's only 10th in the country, but they average almost 30 a game. So they, they pretty much split on the offensive end their possessions almost evenly between two and three-point shots. So this is a team that if you can find a way to take away their three-point shooting ability, if you can guard the line and force them to have an off night, it's going to be it's it's going to be tough sledding for them, but that's an easier task said than done. And the thing about them is is look, they only have three guys that are double figure scores, but all of those guys are averaging sixteen or more points per game. So it's the the, guy, the guys on their roster that are playing well on the offensive end of the floor are scoring and scoring a lot. So it's going to be hard. This this is a trio that that is going to give Carolina some issues. Um, especially Alex Hunter, who is shooting 47.6% from three, and he averages Uh, 8.23 three-point attempts per game. So, yeah, this is is a stiff test for Carolina. But, yeah, it's good that it's in the Smith Center. And this is one that you kind of need. I think this kind of ranks right up there with the College of Charleston because, I mean, looking at this team's numbers, I would be shocked if this isn't a tournament team. Um, especially out of the Southern Conference where Wofford has has definitely taken a step back um, with all that they've lost from a couple of years ago. So this is this is one that Carolina's got to be ready for. And, and look, you got to know that, yeah, they, they already beat an ACC team. Now you feel like you're a much better team than um, Louisville and, and, and the rest of the ACC outside of Duke. But at the same time, you've got to be ready to go in this game because if you're not, uh, this could this could be a tough night for you. As much as an offensive juggernaut as Furman is, they do have some deficiencies on the defensive end, mainly in allowing opponents to make 29 field goals per game. That ranks 340th in the country. There are 358 teams that compete in Division One college basketball. The average height of their roster is just six foot three, and their average experience is just 1.7 years old. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to play this week's ad from DraftKings. We're going to come back, give you some numbers for Carolina as we head into the matchup with Furman, give our keys to the game, and pick the game before we get out of this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you will be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving new customers shots at millions of dollars and total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TBPN. Bet $1 on any team to score and you win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager is required. Only one per customer. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
really hope you guys are taking these uh, these promo codes and, and putting them to good use. What, what I've been giving you on the four corner side of things, that's TBPN, and on the on the on the heel tough blog side of things, that's TPP. And so you can get over to DraftKings, use those promo codes, get you some great holiday cash as we close in on Christmas. Carolina, uh, for the Carolina side of things, they come in with a record of 7-2. and two. As of the time of recording, the updated AP Top 25 poll has not been released. Would not be surprised to see a number beside Carolina's name um, heading into this week because certainly got that matchup with UCLA on Saturday in Las Vegas. Carolina does not still have five guys averaging double figures in scoring, led by Caleb Love, who has now taken over the leading score for the team with 16.9 points per game. It was Armando Baycott just a few games ago. He's now second on the team with 14.3. R.J. Davis is third with 13.9. Brady Manick is fourth with 13. And then you've got Dawson Garcia, uh, who's fifth on the team, with 11.3 points per game. Carolina, as, as good as a three-point shooting team as Furman is, Carolina can match them. They are four, they're eighth in the country, shooting 41% from behind the three-point line. The only difference is, is they don't shoot the near volume of threes that Furman does. Carolina is averaging making 8.7 threes per game while only shooting roughly 21 threes per contest. Let's go ahead and get into the keys to what – we were hoping will be a Carolina victory. And I think the first one's very easy, and that's defend the three-point line for everything we talked about when getting into uh, the, the background of Furman. They are seventh in the country with 11.7 threes made per game. They're going to shoot roughly threes, uh, 30 threes uh, in, in this ballgame. But the thing that's going to make it tough for Carolina, and this is where – the, the versatility of Carolinas defensively is going to be key is they've got, as a team, they're shooting 39%. They've got four players shooting 44% or better, and they've got roughly seven or eight guys shooting 35% or better from behind the three-point line. So they can get contributions from virtually every player of their rotation when they're on the court. They're going to spread you out, so they're going to want to be able to drive the ball, make the defense collapse, only to just kick out to open three-point shooters. And I think the biggest thing for Carolina hanging in this game is Leaky Black has drawn the assignments the last couple games of the best players. You know, you had Torn Watson the other night for Elon. You had um, Jordan Usher and, and those guys at Georgia Tech, Michigan, Eli Brooks. And him individually did a really good job taking away um, the best player. It was it was DeVoe from Georgia Tech who went into the game averaging 25 points per game. But it was also Anthony Harris coming off the bench, giving a great lift for Carolina defensively. You'd imagine with the, the opponent that Hubert Davis will have to utilize Anthony Harris a little bit more in this game to get the best out of Carolina defensively. But look, Carolina – They've done a really good job defending the three-point line as opposed in years past. They're only giving up 7.8 makes per game. And teams are shooting them 20 – and teams are still shooting 24 threes per game. So that's roughly 33% that Carolina's allowing from behind the three-point line. They're going to need another type of those efforts once again because, well, their opponent's going to shoot them and shoot them frequently. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is is a game where you just got to know that 
they're going to make some. And it's just something that you've got to be able to sort of match on the other end of the floor. Um, but at the same time, yeah, you, you want to limit them from really being able to just kill you from beyond the arc. And, and, and really, Carolina, I think for the most part throughout uh, the majority of the season, really outside of that game against Tennessee, they've done a good job of, of being able to slow teams down from behind the arc. But most of the teams that have had success against Carolina have done it by driving and, and, and getting inside in the lane. So um, I think that there's reason to be confident that you've got the guys that can handle this. As you mentioned, I think Leaky Black is, is going to be huge for you in this game. And uh, we've talked about it. You can keep him on, on the court um, a lot easier now with, the offensive player, you know, the, the offensive success that you've had with the other players around him. So uh, it, it definitely allows him to sort of focus on, on on doing what he has to do to take away some of these guys on that defensive end of the floor. And, yeah, this definitely looks like a, a big game for Anthony Harris as well. Um, it'll be back-to-back games where Carolina's kind of going to rely on him. And, yeah, the thing about him is he's another guy that's kind of shown a little bit of a position versatility as well. The other night, I mean, he was – pretty much you're at, at one point you're three and did a really good job of, of handling that role, uh, even though he is a bit smaller than Leaky Black. So I think this is, you know, definitely a, a, a matchup that Carolina, a couple of, you know, the last couple of years, this would have been a horrendous matchup for Carolina. This year, I don't really think it's as bad. So I, I think that this is a game that you're still probably going to get frustrated by the fact that there will be times where Carolina will be scrambling to try to get a hand up, everything like that. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see moments like that in this game. But I definitely think that this is a team that's that's more accustomed to being able to take this away um, and, and slow this type of offense down than the ones in the past couple of years. So I, I think Carolina, they know what the game plan is. It's, it's very obvious that Furman's going to come out and do this. And I think it's, uh, it's going to be intriguing. I think you'll also probably see, you know, potentially some, some smaller lineups out there more often, probably more often than you've seen in any other game this year. I mean, we saw it a little bit the other night against Elon in part because, you know, there was foul trouble for Armando Baycott, but I think also because it was what was working against uh, an Elon team that wanted to shoot the ball um, from the outside more often than put the ball inside. So I think we'll see more of that here on Tuesday night against the Paladins. Yeah, one of the big reasons why Carolina has improved defensively is their ability to fight through ball screens or switching and stuff like that has improved drastically from where they were to begin the season. And quite frankly, they're just they're closing out harder. They're running the opponents off the three point line. And with even though Carolina's only got three guys in that front court that can protect the rim, you've got Baycott and Garcia. And their length and size have really uh, affected teams when they go inside the perimeter. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's become a team effort as to why Carolina's taking that next step defensively, in particular guarding the three-point line. The next key to the game has been a key for just about virtually every matchup for Carolina against a mid-major, and that's play inside out. Just simply because those teams don't have the type of size 
that that can compete with what Carolina has. As I mentioned earlier, their average high on the roster is just six three or taller. They've only got three players on the team that have totaled stats that are six nine or taller. And if, as we've seen in the games against really most recently UNC Asheville, and then just recently Saturday night against Elon, especially if Carolina's perimeter shooting isn't falling, they get back to their roots which is put the ball inside, play inside out. Saturday night, it was Dawson Garcia. You would anticipate Armando Baycott bouncing back because he is he's become a more consistent player night in, night out for this team as he's second on the team in scoring and is the team's leading rebounder at, at almost 10 rebounds per game. So this feels like the type of game where usually so far this season when a, a, a player has struggled – Hubert Davis really tries to feature him in the next game to get him going. That brings you to Brady Manick, who the other night didn't make a single three-point basket, had his rough shooting, had his worst shooting night so far for a Tar Heel, but he's still averaging over thir- uh, at 13 points per game, roughly six rebounds. And the thing I really liked about him is that when his offense isn't clicking and hasn't allowed him to affect him, on the defensive end of the court, the thing about him that we like that we didn't really think we were going to see as much of it as he does have the diverse offensive game. He can play inside out. He can put the ball on the floor and drive from the perimeter to the bucket. He has a you know a face-up game, a turnaround game. He can score the ball in a variety of different ways. Furman doesn't have a player on their roster that can guard any any single one of Carolina's bigs in, individually, let alone collectively. I know this team is going to want to come out and shoot the ball better from three after shooting just seven of 23 the other night, but the ball still needs to go inside and out, get them in foul trouble, live at the foul line you did against Elon, and the best way to do that is is to play through your bigs, Baycott, Dawson, Garcia. Yeah, no, I mean, no doubt about it, and – uh, I mean, that's the thing about Manic is, I mean, you you look and I mean, he has had some of these nights where he's been relatively quiet. But uh, I mean, yeah, there's no doubt that this one was was probably right there with the Purdue game for one of his worst games of the season. And uh, but but you would expect that he's a veteran guy. He's been in these types of situations before where he's had off nights and he'll be able to bounce back. And I think he's definitely going to be the guy that you're, you're going to keep an eye on here. Um, especially with how Dawson Garcia has been this season where, um, you know, he's had his inconsistencies. But Armando Baycott, I think, is the guy that you, to, to watch in this game. Um, you know, he, he got into foul trouble early on in the game against Elon the other night. And I think that, that that was a big part of why he wasn't as dominant as he's been at times this season. This feels like a game against a team that, as you mentioned, probably in, in terms of their size, rivals that UNC Asheville team that we saw earlier this year, where Carolina should be able to put the ball inside and go to work. And defensively, the numbers show you that that's probably the, the, the easiest area to attack with this Furman team. They're not a great three-point defensive team either, but I think that you know Carolina showed the other night uh, against, against the Phoenix that, look, the best way – uh, to get your your outside shooting going is very clearly through going inside because they tried early on out of the gate against Elon to get the three-point shooting going by just sh- throwing up shots early on. That wasn't working. 
and they kind of had no choice because with, with Bay kind of on the bench, you, you just didn't feel confident going inside uh, to Manic or, or or Garcia on the block. But I feel like in this game, you know, if he can keep himself out of foul trouble, uh, which I think he can, then, yeah, put it inside to Baycott, and you'll see some of the other guys that seem to be more comfortable going down there when Baycott is on the floor at times than when he's not. Allow those guys uh, to get going inside, and then that's going to open uh, up your three-point shooting and, and and get this team, you know, uh, going at the, at the rate that we know they're capable of. Because I, I do think that – this is a game where you're you're going to have to put up some points, and they've had no trouble doing that so far this year. But I definitely think that this is just, uh, you know, one of those games where you know you got to score, and it, the the you know Furman defensively um, allowing over seventy five points per game, that you're definitely more than capable of doing that in this game. Now it's just about being able to go out and execute it. And I'm with you; it starts inside. And uh, I feel like this will this will be a game where you'll see Armando Baycott take over and uh, really go to work. The last key I have to the to the game against Furman is control the tempo. And I know that might sound crazy because you're playing a mid major opponent, but let's just be quite honest. Carolina doesn't play as fast as um, I want them to, and as we're accustomed to let as as we're accustomed to seeing them playing. But look, the results have been beneficial. They're a much more efficient offense playing at a slower pace, that's not going to be Furman style. They score a lot of points because they play a lot of possessions. They get up a lot of shots. It's – as you could – if you go back to the College of Charleston, their whole MO in that first half was to play as fast as possible. And, and in a lot of ways, it made Carolina rush some things because Carolina hadn't seen a tempo to that level. They've seen it since – with teams like Purdue and Tennessee that really wanted to push the, the ball up the floor, and they've since adjusted. But Furman is going to try to speed the game up in a way that Carolina would still be comfortable playing at, just in terms of the pace, but I don't think they'll be as efficient, as effective. And we've seen Hubert Davis in the second half of these games, no matter the opponent, slow the game down, put the, put the offense in a half-court set, and Carolina's offense usually functions and responds a lot better. I think the maturation of having Caleb Love and R.J. Davis taking that next step makes it easier for them to control the tempo because they have a better understanding and a better court awareness of when to push the ball and when not to push the ball. But if not, Hubert Davis has shown he will dictate that himself, put the ball, put the team in a half-court set, put that ball inside and really dictate the way Carolina is going to play and it really dictates the pace of the game at which the, the game's going to be played. And so then it's going to be a really uh, a key. Furman's not going to be afraid to go up and down with Carolina. They've beaten an ACC opponent on the road doing just that. So make them play to the way you want to play. It could still be fast, but not as fast as Furman. And I think over time, over the course of 40 minutes, given Carolina's size, given Carolina's depth, and on all, and you know they're more gifted, more talented, all that great stuff. If 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 they make Furman adapt to the way they want to play, chances are Carolina is going to win the ball game. Yeah, look, you, you don't want to have to get out and run with this team because that will put you in some of these vulnerable situations where you'll be giving up some of these threes because guys aren't getting back fast enough. The biggest thing to controlling the tempo of this game is you cannot turn the ball over that often. The more you turn the ball over, 
especially if they're live ball turnovers, that's when you're going to get yourself into trouble. And I mean, the other night it wasn't what wasn't great against Elon, but it wasn't terrible. Um, you want to try to limit that to probably eight to 10 turnovers. And this team's capable of that. They've done it multiple times this season and, it's, and, and, and in some big games. So they need to be able to do that again in this game. And as you mentioned, this is a team that's more than capable of playing in the half court. So I like how they've been strategic about when they've wanted to run. Most of the, you know, most of the times that they've been able to run and have success doing it has been when they've been able to create the live ball turnovers on the defensive end of the floor. So you want to see them be able to do that. They'll have moments where they want to speed it up. But you're right. You need to control when the tempo gets sped up because we've seen at times this year, um, you know, the game against Brown, that was a team that wanted to go up and down the court, and that's what allowed them to have some success on the offensive end. The game against uh, the College of Charleston until that, you know, the the mid to late part of that second half, they did a really good job of speeding you up. That's what allowed them to stay in the game. So you wanted to be able to control the pace, and not get into those situations where team where, where Furman's going to be able to get you scrambling and be able to knock down some of those outside shots. But I think that Carolina has done a great job of that here recently. Um, I, I think that as you mentioned, getting the ball inside and, and really you you know use using that as a way to sort of slow things down and then get the best shot that you possibly can uh, is definitely going to be effective. And I think that having a guy like Caleb Love, who is able to control the pace a little bit better um, now that he's in his second year and and not learning as a freshman about how to not rush things, uh, is definitely working wonders, and I think it'll show again in this game. Let's go ahead and pick the game. Carolina enters the game, according to ESPN's Basketball Power Index, with a 79.6% chance to win the game, which is – Rather low for a game against a, a mid-major opponent, especially on your home court. But as we talked about, Furman is not your average mid-major. They've beaten an ACC opponent on the road. They're a quality offensive team, and they're going to be ready to come in and play and play very well. I I think this is, a, as I mentioned earlier, a rare game that you learn a lot about who you can be, even against a mid-major opponent. I don't necessarily worry about this team looking ahead to Saturday. Because of, because of the quick turnaround, because they're playing roughly within 72 hours of their game against Elon. And, and I, I think the other night, they knew that they didn't put their best product out there on the floor. They're going to want to try to shoot the ball better, still build off of what they did, the nice things they did, but come out and play a little bit better before Saturday's showdown with the Bruins. I think Carolina wins, but I think it'll be – you know, a, a it'll be a ten to fifteen point win that we won't. The, when we come back and recap the game, we won't be saying it. W- it won't be like the win over you know Brown or the win over UNC Asheville where we, where we left more discouraged than not. I think Carolina's going to play play well and, and and earn a win in the process. Yeah, look, I think a lot of people are going to look at this game and, and and think that this is an opponent that Carolina shouldn't have much issue with. This is a legitimate Furman basketball team. This this is a team that I think, as I mentioned earlier, I think will probably be the team that will represent uh, out of the Southern Conference, especially with the way that they shoot the three. So, I mean, it's it's going to be a tough game for sure. 
Um, I think that this could have a very similar feel to the game against the College of Charleston. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Carolina will probably be more in control of the game, but in terms of the final margin, I think it'll probably be somewhere around there. I'm not quite as confident as you are in terms of uh, the margin of victory. I'll probably look at it somewhere uh, in between that 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 seven to fifteen range, I think uh, Furman can definitely keep it uh, a little bit close throughout the night, and I think there'll be you know some some nail biting moments for sure. But I think Carolina, the way they're playing offensively right now, no matter what Furman throws at them defensively, I feel like this team is more than capable of being able to adjust their game and play the way that they need to to be able to win this game. And I think they'll be able to do enough defensively to run. On this team off the three-point line late, and they'll find a way to win this game over the Paladins and uh, set up what will be uh, a very inter- entertaining and interesting game uh, that'll sort of be a measuring stick for where exactly this Tar Heel team is at at this point uh, when they take on UCLA. There you go, guys. Both Anthony and myself predicting a Carolina win over Furman. You can catch that game Tuesday night, 7 o'clock over on ESPN. Too. Well, that is going to go ahead and wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. But before we let you go, I do want to get you guys over to the website, HeelToughBlog.com, where I had you covered leading up to the Elon game and post-Elon game. So go back and check out all the, the stuff we took away from the win over Elon. I'll be getting you ready for the game against Furman with the preview article. And there will be a uh, recap article up on the website as well. Of course, we'll be back to recap the game on the podcast side of things. Football side of things, Carolina getting prepared to go to the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Sam Howell is going to participate in that bowl game. But Wednesday is National Signing Day for Carolina football and for college football. It'll be a three-day period, so we'll have you covered over the end of the the week as Carolina looks to submit their their, uh, first top ten class in some time under Mac Brown. So go get over to the website, HeelToughBlog.com, for all that great football and basketball coverage. As for the podcast side of things, we're on the Basketball Podcast Network. We host through Megaphone, but you can find us on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, you name it. The Four Corners Podcast is there. Go ahead and like the podcast. Review the podcast. Review me as the host. Review Anthony as the co-host. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like, but most importantly, hit that subscribe button. That way you get every great podcast right there in your podcast library. Well, that's going to go ahead and wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. I want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. The Four Corners Podcast is a proud member of the Basketball Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at HoopsPodNet or visit our website, www.thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com to find the best basketball podcast.